0: The title of my message today is, Lessons from the Wise Women of Christmas. Boy, it got quiet in here. (laughs) Lessons from the Wise Women of Christmas. We're all familiar with the wise men of Christmas whose story is told in Matthew chapter 2. But did you know the Bible talks about three wise women in the Christmas narrative of Luke chapters 1 and 2? You know, you can learn a lot from wise women. All the wives said amen, all right. Someone once said that if the three wise men of Matthew 2 were women instead of men, they would have first of all asked for directions, arrived on time, helped with the delivery, cleaned up afterward, prepared a casserole, and brought practical gifts. That's probably true. How can you tell whether or not someone is wise by the decisions they make? King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived because when God asked him uh, what he wanted God to give him, he asked for wisdom. Not wealth, not fame, not comfort, but wisdom. And God fulfilled his request by giving him great wisdom. 1 Kings 3.28 says in the New Century Version, the people saw that Solomon had God's wisdom by the decisions he made. So if you want to know if a person is wise or not, just look at the decisions they've made. That's the one true indicator of wisdom or the lack of it. The wise women of Christmas showed their wisdom by the decisions they made. The biblical narrative finds them in different life situations. One was married, one was single, and one was a widow. But what they had in common was that all of them, when faced with major challenges in life, made wise decisions. So this morning, I want to answer the question, what lessons can we learn from the wise women of Christmas? Well, the first lesson I believe we can learn is this. That when faced with major disappointment, choose to trust God's plan and not become bitter. When faced with major disappointment, choose to trust God's plan and not become bitter. Read with me from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John." Skip down to verse 24. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Elizabeth is the first wise woman we want to talk about today. She was married to a priest named Zachariah. And her situation was this, they were an elderly couple and she hadn't been able to conceive a child. Now, this was a shame, this was a reproach in that culture. Uh, A a woman who was not able to bear children in that culture uh, was, uh, was very, very disappointed. And this wasn't because of any sin in their lives that God hadn't allowed her to conceive all this time. The scripture says they were both upright and blamelessly followed all the dictates of the law. When faced with this major disappointment, Elizabeth had a choice to make. She could either become bitter and resentful against God, or she could trust God and choose not to become bitter. She chose the latter. And when it was Zechariah's turn to go into the temple and burn incense, an angel appeared to him and told him Elizabeth would become pregnant in her old age and would bear a son and that they were to name him John. And the angel told Zechariah about the role that John, who as an adult became known as John the Baptist, of course, there uh, was the, the uh, role that he would play in preparing the way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. As a side note, when Zechariah was doubtful of all this, he uh, was uh, not able to speak until the child was born. But Elizabeth rejoiced that God had heard her prayers and was thankful for his favor in allowing her to conceive in her old age. She chose to trust God's plan and refused to become bitter. And in doing so, she has become an example for you and me to follow when faced with our own disappointments. Many of you know the story of my older daughter, Lauren. We've shared it, some of you have been part of it. Um, Lauren went to Bible college after after high school. And uh, we jokingly used to call Bible college bridal college. And uh, we fully expected, you know, she'd find a young man there to marry and, uh, you know, the rest would be history. And my wife and I met at the very same college. Well, that didn't happen for Lauren. She didn't find Mr. Wright, And she came home and she began working for several years. And the years dragged on and she wondered if she'd meet someone. And then finally uh, she met someone and they fell in love and they got engaged. and. The wedding was planned. The invitations went out. The wedding shower took place. A little over six weeks before the date of the scheduled wedding, uh, Lauren found out that uh, her fiance had been unfaithful to her. And the wedding was off. And she was crushed, as you can imagine. Now Lauren is a trained professional, licensed professional counselor, but she needed counseling herself. And her her mom and I, our hearts just broke for her. uh, But there, there there was nothing we could really do to take away the hurt, she was crushed. And time went by, she wasn't interested in dating or meeting anyone. But after a little bit of time, she was introduced to a young man named Kevin who ironically was introduced to her by a mutual acquaintance of her first fiance. Yeah, this is how God works. And they met and began dating and fell in love and got engaged, got married April of 2020. They had a little small little COVID wedding. That was another somewhat uh, Dramatic uh, uh, disappointment as well because the big wedding we had planned couldn't take place. But they got married and last November they had uh, a son, our first grandchild. We might have mentioned that once or twice. (laughs) But God was so good to her. But I believe the reason was even though she was crushed with disappointment, she chose to trust God's plan and not become bitter you see living for the Lord and serving him faithfully does not exempt you and me from the hurts of life how many have found that to be true we live on planet earth we're subject to hurts just like anyone else but another thing we need to understand is this a delay is not a denial did you know that a delay is not a denial No matter how deep or seemingly final the disappointment is, you should never stop praying. Notice in verse 13, the angel said to elderly Zechariah, who again was married to elderly Elizabeth, he said, your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You say, Pastor Tim, why is that so significant? I'll tell you why. Continuing to pray shows that you trust God in spite of your disappointment and it will keep you from being bitter. How do you keep from being bitter? You pray and you trust God. You express express trust in what God is doing. God's timing is perfect. Think about this. Even though Elizabeth would have undoubtedly preferred to bear a child years earlier, decades earlier even, John the Baptist was born at the perfect time so he could be the forerunner to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And God's timing will always be perfect in your life as well. You see, God always has a plan. Some of you who've been here a while have heard me say that a few times, or a dozen at least. God always has a plan. Sometimes we come to understand how our our unmet expectations, and that's what disappointment is, right? Unmet expectations. Sometimes we come to understand how our unmade expectations or our disappointment fit into His plan, and sometimes we don't. But we learn from the wise woman Elizabeth that we must choose to trust God's plan and not become bitter. What hurts, what disappointments are you dealing with today? They're part of life, you can't escape them, they're beyond your control. But when faced with a major disappointment, you and I have a choice to make. Do we become bitter? Do we become resentful? Do we turn away from God or do we trust that God has a plan, that God's in control and refuse to become bitter? The choice is yours and the choice is mine. We need to learn this morning from the wise woman, Elizabeth. What's the second lesson we learn from the wise women of Christmas? It's this. When faced with overwhelming change, choose to believe God's word and not your fears. When faced with overwhelming change, choose to believe God's word and not your fears. Uh, I'm reading here from Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent an angel to, uh, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her, picking up in verse 45 Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The second wise woman, of course, is Mary, who was actually a young girl, perhaps as young as. 14 to 16 years of age. You know the story, Mary was betrothed to Joseph when an angel appeared to her and told her that a a child would be miraculously conceived in her through the work of the Holy Spirit and that this child would be the promised Messiah the Jews have been waiting for. (laughs) Talk about overwhelming. At any age that would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? The angel had to tell Mary not to be afraid. Why? Because Mary was afraid. <laughs> Imagine the questions that went through her mind. First off, how can this even happen? I'm a virgin. How is this possible? And, and second, what will everyone, my family, my friends, the community think? I'm pregnant and unmarried and my fiance isn't even the daddy. Who's going to believe that God did this? And third, what will Joseph think? What will he do? Break off the engagement? You see, any way you look at it, Mary's life was going to change dramatically. And the natural human reaction was to think of all the ways this could go badly. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's a natural human reaction. But how did Mary, this young girl, this young, wise woman respond? First of all, she submitted to God's will for her life. She said to the angel, May it be to me as you have said. Wow. Isn't that remarkable? You're going to do what? I'm going to what? What's going to happen? May it be to me as you have said. I submit to your will. Secondly, she also chose to believe God's word when she went to visit her relative Elizabeth, and by the way, that makes Jesus and John the Baptist cousins, Elizabeth said of Mary, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. You know, in our day and age, the skeptics are, you know, multitudinous, they're, they're, they're you ask someone on the street, do you believe in the virgin birth? You'll get as many no's as yes's. You know what I'm talking about? Because this is something that just doesn't happen. That's what makes it a miracle. It had never happened before, Mary. And it's never happened since. And the angel appears to her and says, you will conceive miraculously through the Holy Spirit. What did she do? That's ridiculous, that can't happen. She believed the word of the Lord. There's something powerful about placing faith in God's word, amen? There's something powerful that takes place when we say, I choose to believe the word of God. Uh, So she submitted to God's will, she chose to believe what the Lord said would happen, and the third thing she did is worship. Now verses 46 through 55, we didn't read those, But those verses record a spontaneous hymn, a spontaneous song of worship that that Mary sang. This young girl just burst forth into song. And there are no less, Mary knew the word of God. There are no less than 10 uh, Old Testament uh, references in the song that she spontaneously sang. She worshiped God. Can I tell you something? Worship is a great antidote to fear. Worship is a great antidote to fear. And our first inclination when we're fearful of of dramatic change and wondering what will happen in our lives may not be to worship. But let me tell you today, when we choose to worship God and say, God, I trust in you and you do all things well and I'm going to lift you up and I'm just going to take a praise break right now. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to lift you up. And we worship from the heart. That is a great antidote to our fears. If we could only learn that secret In the face of overwhelming change in her young life, Mary could have given in to her fears, but instead she made the wise decision to surrender to God's will, to believe his word, and to exalt him in worship. What a model of wisdom this young girl was and is for you and me. In his book, Jesus, the God Who Knows Your Name, Max Lucado writes this. He says, feed your fears and your faith will starve Feed your faith and your fears will. That's true, isn't it? If we feed our faith, our fears will starve. heard a story about a woman named Kara, a missionary in Central, Eastern, and Southern Africa, along with her husband and four children. And they had been attending language school for several months when they decided to visit the country that would soon be be their home. Only a few hours after arriving in the country, uh, three men with weapons hijacked their car. And the family was terrified. The thoughts of what could happen began to run through their minds. Would they die? Would the hijackers steal their children? Would they drive them to a remote area and leave them for dead? The thoughts were overwhelming. And the petrifying fear eventually turned to prayer. The verse, pray without ceasing, became extremely real to Kara and her family, and they pleaded with God to save their lives, and a peace rushed over them. They knew that there was still a strong possibility that they may die. But if they died, they wanted God to be glorified through their death. After a few hours, the hijackers robbed them and left them on an abandoned road with a flat tire. They were able to use their spare tire and quickly drive back home. Because they believed in the power of prayer. They sought God and they trusted Him. Church, we all experience fear. Being brave, being courageous, you and I can look at the history of of courageous men and women and think, oh boy, that person didn't have a fear. Nothing could be further from the truth. The secret is to not believe your fears. What do I mean by that? Well, fear will suggest all kinds of scenarios that may unfold from your situation. And none of them are good. How many know that? Oh, this could happen, and this, and oh, boy, and this. And what will happen then? And oh, and then that will cause this. And, and our minds just run amok, don't they, with fear. That's what fear does. And so we believe, we believe that, that scenarios will develop based on nothing else but our fear. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Don't believe your fears. Don't give in to your fears. Instead, believe God's word. What does God's word say? God's word says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God's word says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God's word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have a choice to make. Do we believe our fears and all the things they suggest, or do we choose to believe the Word of God? Choose to respond to the overwhelming change your life may be facing like Mary did. Surrender to God's will. Believe His Word. And worship Him when you feel fearful because He's got everything under control. Amen? Believe God's word instead of your fears. Learn from Mary, the second wise woman of Christmas. What's the third lesson we can learn from the wise women of Christmas? It's this, when faced with crushing loss, choose to focus on God's presence and pursue his purpose. We're reading from Luke chapter 2. Beginning at verse 22, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, meaning baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Skipping down to verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. The third wise woman of Christmas is named Anna. In Luke chapter 2, after Jesus had been born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to dedicate him to God. They're first met by an elderly gentleman. The portion of scripture we didn't read. They're met by an elderly gentleman named Simeon. God had promised Simeon that he would not die before he got to see the promised Messiah with his own eyes. And after thanking God for fulfilling his promise, Simeon prophesied over Jesus to the amazement of Mary and Joseph. Then they were met by Anna, whom the Bible describes as a prophetess. Anna had experienced a crushing loss in her life. The scripture tells us as a young woman, she had become a widow after only seven years of marriage. And now she was 84 years old. So you imagine how long she had uh, lived after her husband died. You can do the math. And she had spent all the years since her husband died in the temple worshiping God and praying. Now, I know that sounds incredible, but that's what she did. And when she saw the baby Jesus, she uh, gave God thanks for him and began to tell everyone she could about him. Now, she didn't have to stay in the temple all those years. She could have remarried. She could have pursued life elsewhere. and And there would have been nothing wrong with that. But she chose, in the face of her crushing loss, to focus on God's presence... And then tell everyone about Jesus, and she was blessed because of it. I heard a story about um, F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer was a great preacher. And he was on the train, and uh, there was a woman on the train who recognized him, and she was, you could tell from her countenance, she was miserable. And she shared her burden with him for years. She said she had cared for her crippled daughter. Who brought great joy to her life. She made tea for her daughter each morning then left for work knowing that in the evening her daughter would be there and they would spend time together. But the daughter had died and the grieving mother was alone and miserable. She said home wasn't even home anymore Uh, and F.B. Meyer gave her wise counsel he told her this he said when you get home and put the key in the door say aloud Jesus I know you were here. And be ready to greet him when you open the door. As you light the fire, tell him what has happened during the day. If anyone's been kind, tell him. If anyone's been unkind, tell him. At night, he said, stretch out your hand in the darkness and say, Jesus, I know you are here. So they parted company. And several months later, he was back in the neighborhood and met the woman again. But he didn't recognize her. Her whole countenance had changed. She said, I did just as you told me, and it has made all the difference in my life, and now I feel like I know him. What a difference. Many of you have heard of Elizabeth Elliott. She was a Christian author and speaker whose first husband, Jim, was killed in 1956 while trying to make missionary contact with the Aka people of Ecuador. She suffered a terrible loss. Listen to what she said about loss. She said to be a follower of the crucified Christ means sooner or later a personal encounter with the cross. And the cross always entails loss. The great symbol of Christianity means sacrifice and no one who calls himself a Christian can evade this stark fact. It is not by any means an easy thing to recognize within a given instance of personal loss the opportunity it affords for participation in Christ's own loss. Later, she spent two years as a missionary to the very people who had killed her husband. Wow. Wow. She made a choice, like Anna, like the woman who met F.B. Meyer on the train, Loss is a part of life. Would you agree with that? Loss is a part of life. And guess what? It always hurts. It's always crushing. It's always painful. And we mourn and shed tears because we're human and that's normal. But when we experience loss, we have a choice to make. Are we going to dwell in? Are we going to focus upon our loss for the rest of our days and withdraw from life? Or will we make the wise decision to focus on God's presence and pursue his purpose for our lives? Because the enemy of our souls wants us to believe this. You need to hear hear this, church whether you're here today or watching online, the enemy of our souls wants us to believe that when we suffer a crushing loss, loss of a loved one or something uh, similar, the enemy wants us to believe when we suffer a crushing loss, our lives are basically over. God is nowhere to be found and we no longer have any purpose in our lives. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. But we need to learn from Anna... Wise woman of Christmas, number three. Realize your life is not over, no matter how crushing your loss may have been or losses may have been. Realize your life is not over. Focus on the presence of God and pursue His purpose for your life. Your life is not over. God has something valuable for you to do. For Anna, it was to tell people about Jesus. I think that's a pretty good place to start, don't you? Isn't that what we're called to do? Listen, if, 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 the Christ, if the Christmas season is nothing else, it's an opportunity to have conversations about Jesus. I've said this, I probably say this every Christmas, so if you've heard it a thousand times, forgive me. But I, I love the fact that you can go into a public place, a store at Christmas time, instead of hearing all the music and all the junk you hear sometimes, you can actually hear songs about Jesus. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and Noel, Noel. Born as the King of Israel. We, we, we hear in the public sphere, we hear the gospel. Hallelujah. And so we can follow the example of Anna. Tell somebody about Jesus. She made it a point to do so. Why? Because she had seen, she had held the Christ. She had witnessed it. That's all we need to do is tell what we know about Jesus. Tell what he's done in your life. Tell how the Christ of Christmas has transformed your life and giving you purpose and meaning in your life. Learn from wise woman number three. In conclusion today, you may be someone who has a history of making wise decisions in life, and if so, I urge you to continue to do so. Don't stop now. Unfortunately, and we know this is true, a history of mostly wise decisions doesn't guarantee that you won't make a foolish one in the future. (laughs) Am I right? Keep making wise decisions. Or maybe you're someone who, if you were to be completely honest this morning, has a history of making mostly poor decisions. And you want to change that. Well, whatever your history says about the choices you've made, you can learn from the wise women of Christmas. First of all, as we said, you can learn that when faced with major disappointment, choose to trust God's plan and not become bitter. Amen? You can trust Him. Don't let bitterness rob you of what God has for you in your life. Secondly, when faced with overwhelming change, choose to believe God's Word and not your fears. Your fears will suggest all kinds of scenarios to you. But when you believe God's Word, we believe what God says, when you take Him at His Word, you know that He will work all things out for your good and for His glory. Amen? Thirdly, when faced with crushing loss, choose to focus on God's presence and pursue His purpose. Your life is not over. God is with you. God loves you. And He has a purpose for you. Whether you're young or whether you're old like Anna was, it doesn't matter. You can tell people about Jesus. We can learn a lot from the wise women of Christmas. Amen? The choice is ours.